0: Blog
1: Talk Radio. Welcome. Welcome to Pillars on Amazon on uh, franchising. Pillars on franchising, and today's guest is Meg Roberts, of President of Molly Maid. Welcome, Meg.
2: Thanks, Ray. I appreciate uh, the invitation to join you guys today. This should be fun.
1: I think it we will. We hope be. so. We, yeah, we have a a, a a question for you, Meg. What type of individual is makes a good Molly Maid franchise?
2: Well, that's a great question. Hmm. I think the uh, the Molly Maid franchisee is quite unique. Um, what really makes the best franchisee for us is someone who has the right attitude. The uh, right aptitude is important, uh, but it's a pretty uncomplicated business. So the big differentiator for us, our most successful Molly Maid franchisees, just have a terrific attitude, a positive outlook. Um, a servant's heart, if you will, people who really want to focus on not only serving the community with the residential cleaning that we provide, but also serving the community by job creation and uh, employing people who are looking for great places to work and taking care of their community in that way as well. So that's really the differentiator for us are people with a great sunny side up attitude.
1: Absolutely. Sunnyside is a good way of describing that. I feel that uh, when Martha and I were looking, uh, that is one of the things that really attracted us to Molly Maine was simply the fact that everybody seemed to have the right attitude. It wasn't just about business and numbers. It was, it, w- it was about people and giving back, giving back to the community.
2: Absolutely. It's not a business where if you focus only on the numbers that you have a high likelihood of success. Uh, because it really is about engaging with people. You're doing a service um, in someone's home that is their most valuable asset with their prized possessions. And, creating a sense of trust only happens if you can build a relationship. And generally you can only build a relationship if you're someone who really is truly and authentically interested in other people and has that attitude of wanting to get to know someone and wanting to, uh, you know, be an assistant and a part of their life and and problem solving.
1: Absolutely. I think authentic and, and I, I like to use the word genuine person. And uh, a lot of times you can, you know, just talking to an individual, you can tell if they're a genuine person by the by the way they, if they look at you when they talk. And, you know, it's, there's so many people out there that seem to have a different agenda. And uh, I think one of the attributes of uh, nearly every single Molly Maid owner that I've ever met is they're genuine people and they have an authentic attitude.
2: I would agree with that wholeheartedly, and I've been lucky enough to meet, uh, you know, plus 300 of them over the last decade. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. So one of the the other questions is, uh, you know, I I know we've kind of answered this a little bit, and uh, I know when I was looking uh, to open a business, I looked at a lot of different uh, franchises. What specifically would you say is is the – I know we talked about attitude and uh, uh, giving back to the community and things like that. What other attribute do you think a potential uh, Molly made the franchise owner would need?
2: Well, I think someone who is trying to uh, achieve a good outcome without overcomplicating it. So oftentimes if we have executives who came from, you know, very high-powered uh, former careers that required a lot of complex thought and um, assessment and constant diving into the data, that's, that's a little more than is required in this business. Really being thoughtful and observant and aware is what makes for success. Certainly, we have to be looking at our P&L, and we've got to be looking at our numbers and our cost of goods and all of those things. But the greatest level of success is part of that awareness. How do my employees feel when they come to work? You know, they're going to do a really long day of cleaning homes. Am I doing something to create an environment that they're happy to show up at? So it's a thoughtfulness, an attentiveness, um, a real sincerity in the interest of the employee. And I'll tell you that's one of the things that I think is most different about Molly Maid relative to other franchisors as well. One of the first things I always hear our franchisees talk about are the great stories, um, uplifting stories, that they want to share about their employees. They're not starting out by saying, how much money I made or this fancy new car that I bought. And, and many of them have all of those wonderful trappings, but the greatest success and their their sense of achievement has come from the accomplishments of their employees.
1: Absolutely. and I, I don't know if I had ever shared this with anybody before but in talking to an employee one day i I, you know she said that the the best time of her day is in the morning when she gets to work and of course i say how could that be you know (laughs) nobody wants to go to work you know and uh she says well i'm here with my friends i know everybody we have a great time just talking to each other before we head out you know to our individual jobs and she mm-hmm. says, But at the end of the day, when I get home, well I gotta make sure I have enough groceries, I gotta make sure food is cooked, I gotta make sure the kids get their homework done. And she goes on and on with a long list of things. She says, So the best time of my day is coming to work in the morning at eight AM. Yeah. And
2: I thought that was really of fantastic. With, of being with a the team. There's there's something so satisfying for me when I'm out on the road traveling and I get to visit with franchisees to go to their morning meetings and actually show up a half hour before the meeting that's always the fun time when the ladies are teasing one another checking out somebody's new shoes Mm -hmm. or hairstyle and it's very much the camaraderie kind of a you know mini sorority of sorts where um, and there's of course uh, some guys in there too but just a real community Mm -hmm. of, uh, of women supporting one another and then we're out Helping largely other women in their homes to manage their families and their jobs and all the complexity. So it's it's definitely a community and that sort of spirit of it takes a village, and and I really love that about the business.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And there's one one of the things uh, that I've uh, begin to realize even more and more is that we are a, just nothing but a big family, and uh, we begin. You know, nobody calls me Mr. Pillar. It's always <laughs> Ray. How are you? And you know, and
2: uh, one
1: one of the uh, I'm in an office building, and uh, a uh, HR person from another company stopped me one day, and she says, "You know, how did, how is it that all your employees are so friendly?" She says that everybody greets her. She doesn't know. They don't know her. And, you know, they greet her and say good morning or, you know, hi or something like that. And I says, well, you know, it's how we treat our employees. And she just kind of shook her head. Now, this is an HR person from another company, hmm. you know. Well, so that's I took pretty that telling, as a, isn't it? Yeah, I took it as an extreme compliment, you know, because it, it, it is. is. Yeah,
0: yeah. So... A question for you. You've been, uh, according to all published wor- wor- uh, or published articles, you've been kind of uh, a change agent at Molly Maid um, in your tenure. Uh, from what I've read, um, embracing mobile websites, social media, PR to boost the brand's online presence. What was the most difficult part of changing, making that happen?
2: You know uh, your timing of the question is kind of funny because I think I'm facing about the uh, I probably facing the biggest challenge here in the next several months because we're we're coming up on a big brand refresh after thirty five years so that's going to be a lot of fun, uh, but it also requires a lot of patience and a lot of understanding when you're asking people to revisit the brand identity and perhaps look at how it should evolve as we modernize the business. Uh, You know, for me, I think the hardest part was not the work itself because I've been in um, advertising and marketing and corporate America for a long time. So the process of change, um, the project management, website building, you know, all of that strategic stuff um, I'm used to comes more easily. What I've really learned and where I've grown in my career was I was introduced to franchising 10 years ago, and it, it didn't occur to me um, the importance of the relationship in making change when I am an agent to all of my franchisees who are basically my clients, and that's how I must treat them. So I don't get the choice to just make a change and impart it. Um, certainly, a franchisor could do that, but that is not the type of person I am. so it hold you accountable to really believing in what you're asking others to do because you have to be persuasive and convincing and authentic. So for me, the, the biggest, I guess I wouldn't say it was a challenge, but the biggest learning opportunity was how to become a true and fair and valued, uh, thoughtful partner. And uh, that's the most important aspect of my job, and it's what I value the most. And I've learned it from having all of these franchisees willing to partner with me.
0: So we're getting a brand refresh in the near future?
2: We are, yeah. So we're 35 Ooh, yes. years young or 36 years young. Uh, we've had uh, three different iterations of our website since I began at the company 10 years ago. And that's um, not terribly rapid, but it's it's pretty quick. But we are moving on to our fourth iteration uh, here, which will be launching this June. It's going to have a lot of uh, kind of upgraded bells and whistles and opportunities for potential customers to interact with our brand to better understand uh, what uh, ranges of pricing might look like to kind of customize things online so they can uh, better understand what our service provides. But beyond that, we are actually um, looking at uh, refreshing the brand itself. So we're still, of course, wedded to our name and and very much so wedded to our colors, although even the colors have evolved in the last two years to a more modern kind of uh, rich and darker pink. Uh, together with the navy blue. But, yes, I, I predict you will see a different uh, brand identity. Uh, specifically, uh, cr- right now we have a bonnet um, that represents the brand, and that is, that's that's going to be evolving. So you'll see how that evolves in terms of uh, future uniforms and uh, print collateral and maybe even um, what our vehicles might look like. And I say these things uh, with a little Trepidation because I know the fear in the franchise community is what's this going to cost me? And the reality is, we have no intention <laughs> of uh, rolling things out and not uh, giving people appropriate time or uh, generating waste of things that have uh, been recently created. Uh, but the biggest place we make our brand impression is in the online space, and that's an mm-hmm. easy and cost free place for us to make a change. And, uh, you know, over time, probably adapt our uniforms a little bit uh, to represent the new mark but it's yeah it's pretty exciting when you're 30 some years old and you haven't changed one bit um it's going to be uh it's going to be exciting so we'll we'll reveal all of that at our convention in about six weeks time
1: and i can't wait <laughs> that sounds really I exciting love hearing
2: that ray i know you'll be excited i'm like i'm super pumped what we've seen initially is really great and we have uh, you know we've done the due diligence of now going on our third month of in-depth research with our current customers, website users, uh, testing different logos, testing different taglines, you know, running 300 people through different website modules and, um, you know, 2,000 people through uh, different logos and iterations and customer profiles, so we have made a huge investment in making sure that we are properly positioning the brand and capitalizing on, you know, being the first name in in Maid service, because we are, so we're we're excited about what we're doing there.
1: Yeah, I certainly know that uh, we are in this area. But you mentioned that you started 10 years ago with a company, uh, with Molly Maid, and I think uh, with the respect of that kind of give us a little bit of a background of where you what steps you took when you started with Molly Maid and then lead that if you wouldn't mind lead that into uh, what advice would you give women uh who want to aspire to your position as you know president of a company
2: Oh sure thank you for asking that question I would love to I love to answer it and and specifically address it as it relates to women in the workforce. Um, I was raised by two parents uh, who both had military background. My dad uh, was in the Marines and served in Vietnam. And uh, there's very little uh, room for error in our household growing up, very high expectations of achievement and equality. And, you know, my favorite t-shirt growing up said, girls can do anything, boys can do better, because my parents said, you know, you can do anything that you want to do. I spent a lot of time on my academics in college. I spent a lot of time uh, interning and testing out different careers, but I always knew I liked marketing. And I did that uh, in many years, for many years in Chicago and returned to Michigan and kind of stumbled into this part-time job at this little company called Molly Maid, helping them with a website. And I get a lot of credit for doing a lot of things there in the online environment and, and making a lot of changes. But the truth is I didn't do anything that any other smart marketer wouldn't have done, which is realize just the absolute riches of this brand name and, and make more out of it. Uh, so it wasn't rocket science. It was it was good timing and, and, you know, someone who was dedicated to their craft. And I did that for, oh gosh, five years, I think, and um, was, you know, happened to be in the employment of the company when they made a management change um, in upper management and asked me if I would if I would take the gig leading the company, and I said, no, thank you. You know, I'd really prefer to stay in marketing because it was my Mm. comfort zone, uh, really my comfort zone, and I didn't, you know, I wasn't academically trained in finance and econ and law and all the other aspects of of franchising. But I thought to myself, uh, you know what? Every one of my franchisees has taken a chance and done something Mm -hmm. different by buying this business which is not at yeah. all what they were doing five years earlier, or 10 years earlier. So you know what? If they think I can do this, I'm going to give it a try. And so here we are five years later, and I absolutely love it, and I've learned I wasn't a great marketer. I had a lot of good luck and good timing, and I'm a better relationship and strategy person. And I, I truly, truly appreciate the opportunity that I've been given, and I also feel firmly that as a woman – You've got to work as hard as everyone else, and I'm not suggesting we don't. I think we always do. But we cannot make excuses and suggest that we might be being held back by our gender. I think that dialogue, we spend time on it when we can be spending time on just getting ahead. Uh, Being assertive is important. Um, You know, being smart about your decision-making and the choices you make in your career and really representing yourself with polish and professionalism and equality at all times. I've never felt uh, in my career, I've been lucky, I've never felt that I've been in a position where I was uh, underrepresented or overlooked in relationship to a male colleague. But I also have never stopped to think about it until the recent developments and the important stories that are being told. And I think it's because I just, I was not willing to, Uh, Allow that to happen. I didn't slow down for that. And I was blessed that I've worked with really terrific leaders, men and women. So I think, um, you know, as women, we need to use our voices, we need to use our brains, we need to be dedicated to what is important to us, and we need to speak up when things are not as they should be. Um, You know, working together, women creating a workforce where we're supportive of one another. Um, not competitive, uh, but supportive of one another as we all work to accomplish more um, in an environment that we should we should be a part of every day. Absolutely. So,
0: have you contemplated writing a book about your experiences?
2: I have not contemplated writing a book. I have contemplated writing a book about growing up in an Irish Catholic family because I've got oodles and oodles of stories. <laughs> Um, of my siblings and myself that really lend themselves to what I've been sharing. But what I'm really contemplating is a run for office one day. So that's where all of my energy uh, will not go toward writing a book, but uh, hopefully toward uh, service in, a, in another capacity at some point.
0: We got well, my you know, the last, <laughs> the last two presidents have written books, so um, maybe you need a book and go run for
2: president. Yeah, well, I, I really would emulate one of them. I won't say which, but uh, I think I wouldn't start with a book. I don't have much of a story uh, to tell yet, but hopefully I can start serving my community in a political uh, fashion at some point in the next 10 years or so, we'll see where it goes from there. You know, I think there's lots of room and lots of need for more women um, in our federal government, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you
0: know, so I know, know we're running out of time for with you. Is there any last advice you'd like to give our listeners or to Ray or myself for that matter?
2: Well, you know, I don't, I certainly don't have uh, advice for Ray because Ray is someone that uh, that I look to and and really try to reflect how he operates, how he treats his employees, uh, what his attitude is every day. Ray is a, a dear friend to me and a great representative of what it means to be a small business owner and to be in franchising. It's being part of the system contributing to the system and challenging the system. And I think Ray um, and his dear wife Martha did that for so many years and will continue to do it going forward that a partner doesn't mean that you always agree. It means that you're thoughtful and that you're considerate and when you have an idea that might be different or better, you share it. And that's the recommendation I would give for anyone who's interested in franchising is to think about your willingness to participate to partner, and to contribute, because all three of those things are needed, and all three of those things make every franchise better if they have that type of representative as a part of their community.
1: Absolutely. And one of the things that I, I also get when I people ask me about advice about uh, starting a franchise is look for a franchise that cares about the franchisee because there's yes. too many of them out there. That's all they care about is themselves and how much money they can make. Unfortunately, if they don't care about the franchisee, they don't make any money. So, that's you know, that's yep, Absolutely. That's,
2: if you're thinking about franchising, it's important to obviously meet with the franchisor and get a sense of how they treat people, but it's also very important to do your homework and validate. The best validation comes from calling six or a dozen franchisees within that system, not the people right around the corner from where you might open, those people and people who are three states away and, you know, 600 miles mm-hmm. further south than you are to really get a, a sense for, you know, a cross section of their, uh, their franchisees and how they feel because what they feel and what they represent will give you a good barometer for how you might feel if you decided to join them in business.
1: Yeah and, and it wouldn't help to uh, call a few uh, people who were no longer in that same Absolutely. franchise that yep, you're looking we at you know that. we yeah,
2: always encourage that and I don't I don't fear that at all I think it's generally pretty transparent um you know if if there's more uh salt and vinegar, then it's usually, you know, someone can see through that, and uh, Mm I believe you catch more bees with honey than vinegar. So um, that's my attitude, and it is time for me to sign off, guys. I know you're going to continue. I really appreciate you having me today, Ray. It's always good to catch up, and I look forward to seeing you in Phoenix, and you standing up and clapping when you see all the new stuff that's going to come out. I can't wait. Thank (laughs) you so much. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. You're very welcome.
0: Thanks. Have a great day. Wow, that was really great, Ray.
1: Yeah, I think that that turned out to be fantastic. And uh, I'm looking forward to, I haven't uh, talked to anybody yet about future guests, but uh, I think this can be quite exciting. Uh, I have uh, quite a few people in mind, and uh, maybe you have a few people as well. And, you know, we'll Well, have to see, you know, how it goes.
0: Well, I I do have one potential guest lined up uh, for next week. Uh, I won't say who it is yet, um, because I'm also talking to a couple other people tomorrow. So we should have some more great guests coming. Um, every time I've talked to people about the show, they just seem to be really, really pumped. Because when you look at it, there's not a lot. I mean, there. in a sense, there's a whole lot out there about franchising. But there doesn't seem to be a lot. Uh, about So, in other words, the uniqueness about this show is the fact that we have somebody like you who's been a successful franchisee, and then there's somebody like me who isn't a franchisee but supports franchisees. So, you kind of mm-hmm, get the mm-hmm. inside and the outside viewpoint of it. Um, well, I so think
1: there's, there's, a, lot of, there's a, a lot of rhetoric out there, uh, negative rhetoric about franchises. And uh, the franchisers out there... Uh, have no one to blame but themselves because uh in the process of, of looking for uh, what franchise i was going to be involved in i came across some really interesting uh, franchises that i thought you know from the perspective of a of a, a potential uh, franchisee would be great but when you begin to talk to the corporate people uh it's not so good and uh, of course the uh, information you receive from them is uh you know, interesting as well, uh, such in the way, uh, of, in, in the way of litigation that uh, is pending uh, on many of these franchises. When you do the research, and of course you need to do that research uh, before you invest. You know that kind of money.
0: Yeah, and and anyone who out there who's thinking of investing in a franchise, I would recommend you find. The franchise disclosure document, the FDD, that all franchisors are supposed to—you uh, have to file with the state you got a franchise in. Um, and if you don't want to pay the money for uh, a franchise disclosure document, you can uh, go to the state of California, the state of Minnesota, or I think it's the state of Wisconsin. And if a franchise is located in one of those states. They will have the FDD there, and okay, so having gone through Molly Maids and uh, a very large tax audit company that will remain nameless, um, who had, I don't know, 300 pages, I can tell you that there's a whole lot of good stuff in there, and they're also great, but I would not recommend reading it uh, before you go to bed, because it will put you to sleep really fast.
1: Well, there's one thing I know about numbers is you can make numbers to turn out any way you want them to. It's just the way you put them down on paper.
0: Yeah. Now, the, the yeah. thing I found interesting about the FDD is that it actually, is, as you and, and Meg were talking about, calling uh, other franchise, or franchisees of that franchise, the basic contact information for all franchisees in a franchise is in the franchise disclosure doc. And most of them will show up. People. I think they also list people that um, that have left the franchise. And uh, a very intelligent, great uh, franchise lawyer that I know, Michael List. Michael Liss. um He's in Oakbrook, and I'm hoping to get him on the show soon. But he will. He's, he's the first one I know who said, you know, you go to the FDD, you look for people in there, you give them a call, you talk to them, whether they're still there or not, you find things out and see how they look at it. Which, amazingly enough, was exactly what um, you and Meg were saying the, the same thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Absolutely, you you have to do the research. Uh, otherwise, you're stuck with something. Uh, in another in, in another life, when I was before franchising, uh, I worked with a company that uh, went to automotive uh, places, uh, and uh, talking to the owners at these different automotive uh, uh, businesses they all all the ones I talked to had so so much negativity about the franchisor and how they were getting you know screwed for for one thing or another and uh, i I actually had a very negative uh feeling about franchises so it was a difficult decision for me to go go ahead with a franchise mm-hmm. um, but when i when I learned the success rate uh, of a franchise as opposed to a um, um, Going out on your own, doing your own business—you know—it it made a huge, huge difference. Uh, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, Fred, but I think it's
2: uh,
1: eighty-five percent success, success rate with a franchise, and uh, without a franchise, it's an eighty-five percent approximately, uh, you know, failure rate. Is that about actually, right?
0: Actually, from what I've heard, it's more like a ninety-two percent failure rate.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, so I I, I think this this show, this program uh, and our listeners, if you're thinking about getting into franchising, stay tuned because we're going to, you know, have various people who own franchises. And uh, I, I... I know I'm going to have more Molly made owners because I think the group of people that we have are very positive people and they have a great outlook, not only on their business, but on life. So, uh, you know, this is something that you might want to, if you're beginning to think about uh, owning a franchise, you, you might want to listen to.
0: So I would, a couple of things I would say to that one. Yeah, for the most part, you're right most Molly made franchise owners are, are upbeat and great people to work with. And yet there's still a couple of cranky ones that I've been able to run into. Um, and <laughs> we won't name names. We just kind of leave it there. <laughs> but something I learned today. So um, I was, I was in a mastermind meeting with the franchise referral network and we were talking about the same topic of what, what type of individual will be a successful franchisee. And one of the things that came out today is I know that with Molly Made, you guys have uh, people who purchase franchisees go in and uh, work at an uh, existing franchise. Um, I've met a couple that have been at your franchise working there. Um, and um, I love those because they become clients later, but never mind. Um, but see, in my <laughs> stupidity, I thought every franchisor did that. And uh, I was quickly told that I was wrong, that most franchisors or most franchisees, if um, best case scenario, they might have you come to class for a couple of weeks or something like that. But for the most part, there's not that what I'll call internship. So you yeah, mm-hmm. are rare.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, we do have an a internship. Uh uh, two years ago I hosted oh i three, four four new franchisees, and uh they're there pretty much to observe uh, we try to give them as much of a rounded uh, uh, uh encompassing feel for what the business is like and uh, we also cater to what they you know they feel they're weak in and you know try to give them uh, some information regarding that uh, so that that is part of the course. There's there's a course. I can't remember how long it is. I think it's a week, maybe two, in Ann Arbor, and and then. Uh, but it is your choice as well. I mean, you you know, uh, I believe as a new franchisee, you're asked if you'd like to visit uh, a franchise that has been in business for a while and how they're running things. But I don't know if that is demanded of you. Um, I think the only thing that's uh, somewhat demanded is you uh, attend the first convention that you know that, that you're a franchisee. So um, other than that, you know it's and that's that's another thing about this particular franchise is uh, you, there there are, it's not like some franchises where you have to buy their product and you have to set the prices according to what they say. Uh, not with uh, this particular franchise it's you have more um, leeway in the products you buy and uh, how you run your business and the prices you charge, which you know gives you a lot more freedom as opposed to you know some that are people that are really locked into exactly how they do it and
0: what they do and how much they charge. Mm. So so much, so so much out there. Um, that's uh, to me. That's the way you should run a franchise, um, is by an internship. I think that's just a, a phenomenal thing. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal I mean,
1: there there thing. are there are certain things that you cannot change in a franchise, and the, and those are the things that you buy a franchise for. So uh, the logo is huge you know you cannot change that you can't change the the type you can't change the color and and how it's presented because that is the one of the main reasons you buy a franchise for is the recognition of of logos and the franchise is pretty strict about you know using a certain font when you when you type the name uh, of the franchise uh and you know, but they also have more leeway in other areas where they can give you leeways, which I think is important because most people don't buy a franchise to be locked in lockstep or whatever the franchise says.
0: and And from what I've seen is if you're so uh, obviously, we've known each other for a while now and and you know learned that you got to color, as I put it, color within the lines. Of the, the <laughs> franchise, um, well, it, I do find that many franchisees I talk to, that they, they, initially they do have that I'm getting everything from uh, corporate that I need, and yet the thing that it seems like most of them miss is uh, understanding, uh, at least, well, let's put it this way, from the marketing point of view, under being able to market to their local um, their local audience and also to allow the because to me what makes a franchisee successful and nothing I heard today tells me any different but it's the franchisee himself the the drive the passion the the intelligence mm-hmm. um, that makes them successful but yet many of them never seem to let that Personality that th- their personality uh, seep through so people uh, people want to know who they're talking to they want to know who the individual is behind it and without letting that that personality seep through without understanding that local culture that to me seems to be when franchisees die is that they I guess they're out of step with who they are and who they're Uh, people in their local geographic area are so it can't merge with the brand or they can't (laughs) infuse into the brand. Am I talking gibberish or did that make sense?
1: Well, uh, to a certain degree I I, I can give two examples of franchises that uh, had failed. In uh, one example the individual insisted on a certain type of advertising and that was all they did and they spent a lot of money on it and they were told by myself and many, many other people that this particular type of advertising has a success rate of a fraction of less than one percent. But they Uh, insisted on doing it What all right, what is it? What is it? What do you think it is? Go
0: ahead. Continue. Go ahead.
1: Continue. All right and uh he eventually ended up you know being very disappointed in in the uh, amount of uh, revenue he was generating and decided to sell now interestingly enough the person who, who bought the franchise is doing absolutely great <laughs> you know <laughs> and uh you know his his franchise is growing um in another example, uh, he was a uh, – what do they call it? I'm trying to think of the name. They called it a, a type of individual who thinks it has to be done his way and no other way. Um,
0: Fred? Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, no,
1: anyway, that's he,
0: what Michelle said. He, he, <laughs> he,
1: this, this particular individual uh, had a particular way he thought things should be done, which uh, which varied – greatly from the uh the model and uh the the model obviously has a success rate and if you wish to vary from that you know maybe you might want to experiment to see if you have greater success but if you begin to have less of a success rate then you need to go back to the original model which you know uh this franchise had developed and this person decided not to do that and uh Therefore, he, again, did, was very disappointed in the amount of revenue that uh, – I, I think the, the word they use sometimes is anal retentive. Uh, and this guy had a very specific, <laughs> a specific idea how things should be done, and he was, uh, uh, you know, imprinting this on his employees and to the point where he was having a hard time keeping employees, uh, and at, at the same time he was losing, you know, uh, potential customers.
0: The, actually, you had the first two w- words correct, but the you, you didn't have the full phrase. It's "anal retentive chowderhead." I think is the correct. <laughs> chowderhead. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: Yeah. But uh, you know, he had uh, uh, he had the right idea about getting the franchise, and he bought the right franchise. You know, but. Like I said, he was deviating from the the, uh, business model significantly to to cause problems for himself.
0: Silly people. All they had to do was call Fred. Never mind. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we had fun today, didn't we? I I
1: certainly did. did. Yeah. I did. and uh, i i was really appreciative of, uh, of meg getting on the show uh she is an extremely busy person as you could tell by the the way she you know needed to run off uh in me, in between uh visiting uh franchises and uh, when have you ever heard of a uh, president of a franchise going out and visiting you know other
0: franchises I I can't say that I have. The only thing that was a bummer about it was I know back in 2012, she was actually featured on an episode of the arts and entertainment show, Be the Boss. Um, oh, and yeah. I wanted, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we'll have to have her back on um, later hmm. to ask to quiz her about that.
1: Oh, sure. Sure. Uh, well, there was a program about uh, – there was a whole program uh yeah. Um oh I can't what's the name of that show? You said it.
0: Be the boss. Uh, and and there were two Be the Boss. Two yeah. Molly fr- yeah. Two Molly Mead yeah. franchisee or employees mm-hmm. were given an opportunity to compete for a franchise. Mm-hmm. Um and, That's right. and from what I've read, it was a really compelling episode. Um I haven't been able to find I, it I online it to good. watch it. Yeah? Do yeah. you have it on recording?
1: I I do not. Um but uh yeah. I thought it was a pretty good show. I watched it. Okay. Be the boss. Yeah. Well,
0: we'll we'll have to get her back on and quiz her about the show after all. When you're the boss, you can work <laughs> at nothing all day. As the song says. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we're running out of time at this point. We want to thank those who actually uh did were able to call in even if they didn't want to ask questions. Um Love seeing people call in. Love knowing people are listening. Um, Ray, what's your final thoughts on franchising?
1: Be prepared, both mentally and financially. That's one of the uh, probably one of the biggest things I tell people is, no matter what franchise you decide to go with, if they say, as an example. You, you'll need, a, you know, $75,000, then you better have, you know, $150,000 ready because you'll need it in case the economy decides to take a dip and nobody wants to invest a lot of money and then find out they're going to lose it all because the economy took a dip and, and these, you know, these things are temporary. And if you're not prepared... To to go the course during that time when you know it's going to be hard to get uh, business, then you're going to lose everything you have invested, not just your money but your time.
0: That is excellent advice. Um, I was in in the one mastermind I was in earlier today. That was actually one of the things they said is make sure. Uh, you're funded appropriately and that you've got the drive and vision to stay the course. And it's with that drive and vision, um, which will take you through the hard times. Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, folks. Yeah, what, what we're, the
1: no, go, uh, ahead. go ahead. Are we going to wrap it up? No, go ahead. We're wrapping it up. Yeah, now we, All right.
0: We got a, you got a minute, my friend.
1: Okay. I got a minute. And now I, I, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it, you know, if you if you don't have the money, then then don't even do it because you you know you're going to just be dis- disappointed.
2: And, and well, oh, I don't
1: remember what I was going to think. Now I have 30 seconds, so. Uh, one of the things that people forget about is if you're starting a franchise, you're not working, you have no income, so who's going to pay the mortgage of your home and the heating bills? Sometimes people forget about that. They think, oh, in six months I'll get, start getting money from the franchise. You may be years before you actually begin to make money. And the thing you got to remember, though, is the reward at the end is fantastic. Owning your own business, and, business is fantastic,
0: and that, folks, is a pillar of franchising. And you heard it from our host Ray, Ray Pillar. So we'll talk to you next week. And if you got questions or call questions or comments, uh, you can hit us on the Link Local Network Facebook page or the Molly Made uh, name Naperv- or sorry.
2: Molly Aurora
0: Naperville Facebook page. Leave your questions and we'll answer them. Uh, or next week, call us in at 323 580 5755. We'll see you next Thursday at 4 p.m. Central. Bye now.
1: Good, good night, everyone.